0: Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I believe that is the key verse for the book of Romans, that everything else comes out of that verse. That the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. In the first four chapters of the book of Romans, Paul explains the gospel, and we've spent a couple of weeks on those chapters looking at justification and righteousness and having faith through grace and, and, and what Jesus did for us upon the cross and how that gives us opportunity to be able to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. Those first four chapters explain that out very well. The next four chapters, five through eight, takes us deeper into this gospel. It becomes more than just an information. It's an indwelling. You've probably heard it said that the furthest distance in the world is the 15 inches between your head and your heart. That's what what chapters 5 through 8 does for us. It takes us, takes the gospel from our head to our heart. You've got the information. You understand the basics. You've been given what the gospel is all about, and now it's taking it deeper. What does it mean to us? As a body of believers, as individuals, as those who maybe have not made that decision yet to follow Jesus, what does that mean for us? It's got to travel from the head to the heart. One person put it this way, it's got to, we've got to move from, yes, I believe that's true, to it defines me. Yes, I believe it's true is yeah, that the information is good. I don't I don't see any disagreement with that. I agree with that. But it's a whole different thing when you say it defines you. It defines who you are. It becomes internal. It becomes a part of our very being. We've got to move from yes, I agree it's true to now this defines me. And I believe, starting with chapter 5, that Paul does that with this book. I believe as we look at these two chapters, chapters 5 and 6, that we can divide these up into four sections. I believe we have two sections in in chapter 5 and two sections in chapter 6. And we want to look at these today because I believe that each one of those sections shows how that these two chapters are a matter of life or death. Now that sounds heavy, doesn't it? but I believe it's true, that it's a matter of life or death. And I think the first thing that we look at, as far as it being a matter of life and death, is our identity, our identity. How do we identify ourselves? How do we see ourselves? I want you to look at Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. This was read during the communion meditation. But Look at this. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Although someone might possibly dare to die for a good person. Now, I just love the way that's worded, but it's, it's, it's kind of like... Yeah, even for a righteous person, someone wouldn't die. Maybe every now and then. It it might happen sometimes, possibly. But for the most part, no. But then it goes on. And it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God wasn't up there going, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. My son will die for them. That's a bad one. Nope. We're skipping over them. Not you. Not you. You not you. Not you. You know, he didn't he didn't do that. Why we were still sinners, why we were still enemies of God. Why we weren't even in that boat. Christ died for us. Now, when you stop and think about who you are in that. That can make a difference. While I was studying for this, I I came across this line, and I love this line. It says, let God's opinion of you define you. Let God's opinion of you define you. And then, let Jesus' death define God's opinion of you. I love that. I love it. First of all, we are looking toward the one that created us. His opinion of us to define who we are. Not our circumstances, not our achievements, not our abilities, not the things we've done, but God's opinion of us. Allow God's opinion of you to define you. And then allow Jesus' death to define God's opinion of you. I mean, God is so crazy about you that he sent his only son to die in agonizing death just for you. You are special to him. You are something to him. You are a masterpiece to him. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that. And when you stop and think of yourself in that way, Makes it a whole lot easier to have a healthy self-esteem, doesn't it? When our opinion of ourselves is based on God's opinion of you, which is based on what Jesus did on the cross, it comes down to this. Let the cross of Christ tell you who you are. Not our circumstances, not our achievements, not all this other stuff, but let the cross of Jesus tell you tell you who you are and I believe as we look at the first half of chapter 5 of Romans that we will be blown away with what God thinks of us according to these verses it really is a matter of life or death where we find our identity is it in our job is it in our achievements? is it in our, our bank account, the car we drive, the house we own? Because it can it can fluctuate with those things, can it? I mean, have you ever been in a situation where financially you're doing very very well and then all of a sudden you're not? Am I the only one that's experienced that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the majority, if not all of us, have experienced that, right? And what happens? If our identity is based on that, then when finances are good, we're like, yeah. But when they're bad, you're like, man, what a horrible person I am. Listen, we shouldn't base our identity on our own abilities. Even if you're doing great, base it on what God thinks of you. (laughs) Because that's stable. You're not going to wake up one morning and God's like, hey, wonderful, I love you, and the next morning, eh. God doesn't do that. He's crazy about you every day. Let's base our identity in him. Another matter that I believe that we find in these, in these chapters, in the second half of chapter 5, that's a matter of life or death, is our focus. Where is our focus? What are we focused on? The second half of chapter 5 talks about the differences between Adam and Jesus. How sin came into the world through Adam, but through Jesus, sin can be cleansed in us. And we know the story, right, with Adam and Eve, how sin came into the world they were created in this perfect place, this perfect garden where everything was beautiful and there was no sin to deal with, no death to deal with. And he, and he created all these trees and plants and everything, and God said you could eat from, from every tree of the garden except this one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Leave that one alone, but the rest, you're ready. You go ahead. Now let me ask you a question. If that was you in the garden, which tree would you want to go eat from? Yeah, we're like, really? Is he asking that question? <laughs> you, know, you, it's like you, could take, you could take a whole group of kids and put them in a, in a playground with, with millions of dollars worth of equipment and say, stay in here and don't go outside that gate. Where do they want to go? Forget the million dollars worth of equipment. They want to know what's on the other side of the gate, right? Adam and Eve had the same issue. <laughs> you know the story. Satan tempted Eve in the form of a snake, and she ate of the fruit, and Adam followed along like a little puppy, and it broke that fellowship between them and God, (laughs) and God shows up in the garden after this happened, and he's like, Adam, what's going on? And Adam says, well, God, let me tell you about that woman. And Eve says let me tell you about that snake and of course as you know that snake didn't have a leg to stand on right (laughs) I got a little bit more laughter out of the first service on that one most people say that it was the apple in that tree that brought on the world's problems not so it was the pear on the ground that brought the world's problems all right I'll move right along but it was through Adam that sin was introduced into the world, and because of that sin, death was introduced into the world. And it's through Jesus that that sin is taken care of so that we can experience life, eternal life, abundant life, that life to the full. I love the way this, uh, this section of Scripture words it. In Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. says, here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. So you see, you've got this focus. You could focus on Adam and his sin and the world and death and all that that entails, or you can focus on Jesus and his cleansing of that sin and the life that comes through him and spending eternity in heaven. We can focus on one or we can focus on the other. and We've got to decide where is our focus going to be? Because you realize that life brought death and death brought life. Let me explain that. Because of the life that Adam lived brought death into the world. Because of the death that Jesus experienced on the cross, it brought life back into the world. Life brought death, and then death brought life. And it's all a matter of where we put our focus. It's a matter of life or death. Our identity our focus as we move on to chapter 6 i believe another matter that is a matter of life or death is our baptism now let me just let me just talk about that for a minute because i believe there's there's two extreme teachings on baptism <clears throat> one of them over here is Baptism is absolutely necessary. There's no way to go to heaven without it. I don't care if you've made a decision to be baptized and you're on your way to the church to get baptized and you're in a car wreck before it happens. You're going to hell. There's no chance of heaven. There are some people that teach that extreme of baptism. It's almost like it's this magical thing. Rather than preaching a Jesus that includes baptism, they preach a baptism that just so happens to include Jesus. But then there's other, this other extreme of baptism It says, oh, it's, it's just an outward symbol of an inner faith. And it's, yeah, you should do it, but if you don't do it, it's okay. It's not that, it's not that big a deal. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. <clears throat> I don't believe the Bible teaches either extreme. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't teach that it's this magical thing that baptism is the single thing that, that puts you into heaven. Neither does it teach that it's just a, a symbolic thing of that interfaith that's, that's taken place. It has extreme significance. And, and, and I believe the Bible teaches this throughout, but especially here in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Now, leading up to this, um, Paul is making the argument uh, about grace and how grace abounds in our sin because it overcomes that sin. And he said some people may be making the argument, well, does that mean I should sin all the more so that God's grace can abound even more? And Paul's like, no, you're missing the point by no means. does it mean that whatsoever. And then he goes on to this Romans 6, 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In baptism, we're putting to death that old person, they're being buried, they're being sealed. And we're being resurrected as a new creation, a new person. I had a, I had a professor in college that said that our faith is conceived when we first believe. And it's given birth in baptism. I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good illustration of that. Now, here, here's the thing that we sometimes deal with, though. That old person we put to death... Sometimes that person likes to experience a little bit of resurrection too, don't they? Don't they? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we just put them to death and they would just stay dead? It's like I wouldn't have to deal with sin and all that stuff anymore. I heard an illustration in in preparation for this message, actually, it said if you can imagine that if if you were owned by somebody, if you were a slave of somebody's, And you did all their work, and you did it for free. You were just their slave, and you you mowed their yard, and you did their dishes, and you cleaned their house, and you did repairs, and all this stuff. For years, you were a slave of this person, and all of a sudden, somebody paid for your freedom, and you came over and joined them, and you still continued to serve them, but it was a different type of relationship. And you're over here serving them and, and, and you've been there a few days or whatever and all of a sudden you hear the neighbor that used to be your slave or used to be your master and they go hey come mow my yard and you're like there's a part of you that thinks yeah I should go mow the yard because for years whenever he said that that's what I did but then there's a part of you that goes but but I'm, I'm free from that now. I'm, I'm doing something else. I'm under somebody else's masterhood. I'm, I'm serving somebody else now. And so you deal with that struggle. And sometimes we come over here and go, okay, I'll, I'll just mow his yard one more time. All right? <laughs> but there's just some You don't want to. You don't want to. But there's a part of you that just feels like that's what you're supposed to do. And we will talk a little more about this next week as we get into chapter 7, that Paul dealt with the same struggle. We think of Paul as like this this super spiritual Christian. He dealt with the same thing we deal with. That struggle between living in the Spirit and living in the flesh. The struggle between the dead person that he buried and the, the new creation that he is in Jesus. He dealt with that struggle. And listen, we deal with that struggle but it doesn't mean we haven't been set free. When we put that old person to death, we come up that, that new creation, and it is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And if you've never experienced it, I encourage you to make that decision for baptism. It's not this over here. It's not magical. There's nothing like, ooh, I went under this. It's not magical. But it's more than this over here. Matter of fact, let's let's show this video and just give an example of what it is. My name is Richard Green. Today I am being my baptized. My name is Richard Green by my pastor. Today I am being baptized what made you make that decision? by my pastor. He told me last week. What that made it was you a make that decision? He told me last week that it was right. a requirement. Uh, and I want to make sure. That All right. and, uh, and I want to
1: make sure required. that I'm in line with everything that uh, that's required of us. He just
0: said I wish you told me this was required in August. He just said I wish you told me this
1: was required in August.
0: Just baptized. How do you I was immersed. Not full I've been baptized before, and but uh, not full immersion. Experience. And yeah, I'm it's I a did. much different experience. I really am. I'm glad I did it. I feel good. I really am. Yeah, I, I feel know. good. I feel good.
1: I feel good. Feel good? <laughs> I
0: did. I feel Congratulations. good. Congratulations. It was well worth these reverse. rocks yeah, yeah. and stones <laughs> that I. That I had to traverse to get here. It really is. The more I'm i am you, here, I feel, I feel, I feel really it. good about it. The more I stand here, the better I feel about it, in fact. It's good. I do. It's good. You're glowing. <laughs> and I'm glad to have my friends here to witness it with us. So good, we're going to do a double feature. (laughs) We did our our Glen Cove Christian Church 101 class last Sunday, and after the class, Richard came up to me and and expressed an interest in being immersed. And um, yesterday, that was yesterday, we did it. So it's an amazing thing. Listen, guys, it really is a matter of life or death. There's one last thing that I believe that we find in these two chapters It's a matter of life or death. And that's our choice. The choice that we make. And we've got this choice whether to, to live in righteousness or to live in sin. This choice of to make Satan our master or to make Jesus our master. In Romans 6.16, it says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You could be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you could choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. The choice is yours. What decision are you? Listen, we're all slaves to something. Do we want to be a slave to something that's going to lead to death? Or do we want to be a slave to something that leads to life and freedom? You know, back in 1979, my favorite singer, Bob Dylan, who, uh, by the way, won male vocalist of the year that year, won a Grammy for male vocalist of the year. I don't know what was going in the music industry in 1979. that caused Bob Dylan to win Mel Vocalist of the Year. But, uh, but one of the songs that he had was a song called Gotta Serve Somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you gotta serve somebody. Actually, it was more like this. You gotta serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's so true. It's so true. You're either serving Jesus or you're serving Satan. There is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. I believe that these two chapters could be wrapped up in the last verse of chapter six. Romans six twenty-three. Says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin. You see, you earn that, you work for that, you're doing things, you're doing all this stuff that the world wants you to do, that Satan wants you to do, and your end result is death, the spiritual death. But the gift that God offers you is this gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. And it's only in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It brings life. There's a Christian comedian by the name of Tim Hawkins who typically does songs and says things that are pretty funny and goofy and stuff. But he's got this one song that he's done that is pretty amazing. These words may be new to you. The tune may sound familiar. Let's play it.
1: I want to do a quick testimony song to say goodnight. This is uh, testimony is just a church word. It just means your story. If you know Christ. I don't know why he did it but he did choose me and I'm so glad he did. Look looked so cold I needed the light And I felt so all alone oh, I'm a Christian Never wrote I right. And Jesus Gave me a new life I'm a Christian Bible by my side And Jesus he gave me new life I once was lost Now I have been saved I've seen His grace I'll always be amazed So call on Jesus' name And I'll change the way you think Go to the living well and take a drink. Now I'm a Christian. Yeah, we i ride. And Jesus gave me new life. I'm a Christian. Bible by my side. And Jesus gave me new life. walked the streets with a cross upon his back and he took my shame stood up to the attack heroes from the dead now he's standing tall he faced a million demons and he rocked them all i hours resign because of Jesus.
0: you go guys it's this new life this new life that we find in Jesus that is just amazing again Romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision you've never made your identity in God's opinion of you and God's opinion of you is defined by Jesus's death upon the cross if you have never taken that focus and put it on Jesus if you have never come to that place where you've made that decision to put to death that old person in the watery grave of baptism and come up a new creation, if you've never made that decision of a choice between following the devil or following Jesus, my prayer is that you make that choice today. Let's pray. God, we love you. We, God, we love you so much, and we know that, that our love doesn't even compare to how much you love us. God, I pray that you, you open up our hearts and our eyes to what you think about us. God, help us to go from, yes, I agree it's true, to now this defines me. It literally becomes who I am. God, I pray that if that has not happened already, I pray that it happens today. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.